The following message is by Dr. Cliff McManus, pastor-teacher of Grace Bible Fellowship, located in Sunnyvale, California. How old is Abigail now, Max? Three and a half. Man, that's, that's amazing. Started me on. Learning how to take notes. Beautiful. And then, uh, which is fitting because we're, I mean, the sermon is how to listen to a sermon. And last week we kind of laid the foundation about how to be a good listener. Now I mentioned there was an influential person in my life in seminary who he was one of our professors, and he took notes to every sermon that he ever listened to, regardless of who the preacher was. If somebody was up there with the Bible and opened it, he was taking notes. But you know why? Because he wanted to hear the voice of God. He actually believed that the Bible was the living word of God. And whether it was the president of the seminary, John MacArthur, or some freshman seminary student struggling through the text, as long as they were preaching the Bible, he was assuming, I want to hear from the Word of God. I want to feed on God's Word. I want to listen to what the Creator of the universe has to say. So that was just a wonderful model. And so we, we talked a little bit about that last week. So we're going to finish what we began. I did send around a little outline if you want to follow that. Today I have five main points. We're going to land on point number five. And that's going to be the point of emphasis for us today, point number five. And then under five, uh, we got A through F, and those are kind of the priorities that we want to cover in answering this question, how should we listen to a sermon? How should the child of God attend to the Word of God in a practical way that's most meaningful? Just by way of review, let me give you some highlights of last week, because some of you weren't here last week, so these are just the main points we covered last week. Um, I introduced this book, Expository Listening, that was written in 2010. It's a little book. It's got some big truth in it. Little book, great little book, very encouraging. And I would just encourage you, if you have opportunity to get it, we had it in the lobby for years. It's by uh, Pastor Ken, a friend of mine. Expository Listening, a lot of good stuff in there. So it's just kind of springboarding from some biblical illustrations and great Bible verses and concepts that he laid out. And that's kind of where we started to be reminded of how should we maximize our time as we listen to the Word of God whenever it is preached. That was the first thing. Uh, Number two, we talked about how preaching is the first ministry in the church or preaching is the priority ministry in the church or everything starts with the preaching and teaching ministry. That was priority number one. It's kind of the tip of the spear because the preaching and the teaching in the church informs every other ministry in the church without exception, regardless of what kind of a church you are. And we noted that Jesus was first and foremost a preacher above all things, of course, the Savior. But in terms of what he did and what he came to do, he said, I came to preach very clearly. And the same with his apostles, they were commissioned to preach the word of God. So uh, preaching is the first ministry in the church, absolute priority. We highlighted that You know, we meet for about an hour and a half, and an hour of it is giving to teaching and preaching the Word. So it is a priority, so we need to treat it accordingly. And then number three, we talked about how preaching or teaching the Word of God is a two-part venture. When we speak about preaching, too often we only think of the preacher. But the preacher is not the only one involved in the preaching process. We talked about how it's a two-part venture. There's the preacher, and then there's the listener. And they're equally important in the process, aren't they? And the illustration I used from Pastor Ken, which I thought was great, was the preacher is the pitcher, 
he's warming up. He's got to be in shape. He's got to have specialized handle on the ball, and he's got to know the strategy, and he's got to communicate with his teammate, and he's got to know who the hitters are. And so there's a lot of preparation that goes into being a good pitcher, and so it should be true of a preacher. You've got to be prepared. But preaching isn't just about the preacher. It's also about the listener. So that's the second part, just equally important. So the preacher is the pitcher and the listener is the catcher. So do you have your catcher's glove on today? Are you going to hold it properly? Can you get down and hold that position uh, with squatted knees for a long period of time for an hour? That's hard to do. And you got to know where to hold that mitt, right? And catch it properly. So the catcher has to be equally prepared. We don't think of that very often, if at all, at least, I know not enough, that this idea in this preaching process, the listener has to be prepared just as much as the preacher. So we emphasize that, gave illustrations last week. And then we, we close with uh, dynamics of preaching, just some self-evaluation when it comes to preaching. We talked about, really, it comes down to the heart for the listener, Right? Where's your heart at? Anytime you sit down under either a sermon at church, a sermon on the radio, a sermon at a conference, a Sunday school lesson, a Bible study lesson in children's church, it doesn't matter. If you're sitting down hearing the word of God taught and preached, then the condition of your heart is paramount. And we looked at that with the Apostle Paul who went about preaching in his preaching ministry, and he always preached the word of God. He always preached the same thing. It was the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he also preached from the Hebrew scriptures. So he did the same thing. But the amazing thing was, and that's why I put the dynamics of preaching, is regardless of where Paul was teaching, he always got different reactions and different responses. And we looked at Acts 17, how he preached the gospel, preached a sermon, and then he got three different responses from his sermon. First were those who sneered criticized and mocked his preaching. But in that same group who heard the same sermon, there were those who were intrigued. Oh, this is interesting. Maybe we can hear it again. But they didn't commit. And then there was that third group. It says actually some came and believed and joined Paul. So three very different responses to the same word of God that was preached and to the same guy with the same personality, same delivery, same mechanics, same methodology, same idiosyncrasies, same strengths and weaknesses, same fallen, broken vessel who was the conduit of God's communication and three very different responses. And then we looked how Jesus talked about the four soils where the word of God goes out from a preacher and Jesus talked about four different responses. That's a great reality, and that, that was a call to examine our hearts when we go and, and listen to a sermon, regardless of who's preaching. Like I said, it's not the title isn't how to listen to Pastor Cliff's sermon. It's how to listen to a sermon. It doesn't matter who's up here preaching. They're preaching the Bible. All these principles, first and foremost, apply to how are we going to receive the Word of God, or are we going to receive the Word of God? What are our priorities? So... We want this to be real practical. Hopefully it is. I got a lot of actually feedback from last week's sermon uh, that I thought was very helpful and varied. And um, people who listened to the sermon uh, appreciating the practical nature of it, prompted to think about things maybe they've never thought about before. People who don't even like baseball, assuming the role of a catcher from now on. We appreciate that. So let's go on to today's sermon, how to listen to a sermon part Two, now with that background and foundation laid out. So these first four 
points. I'm going to go through these real quickly. We'll have a couple of Bible verses along the way, but these are kind of laying the foundation for point number five, which is where I really want to land and spend some of our time. So point number one this morning on how to listen to a sermon is we need to learn to listen to God. We need to learn. The emphasis there is on learning. Or another way to say it, we need to be taught how to listen to God's word. We need to be taught how to listen to the Bible. I don't know if you believe that or not. I don't know if you've ever thought of that or not. We need to be taught. We need to become specialized learners of the word of God when it's preached and taught for a lot of different reasons. This week, uh, a brother at seminary was telling me he's teaching at a institute, Bible Institute, hermeneutics class. The first assignment he gave them was a book called, it's a classic book, How to Read a Book. I was like, yeah, Malcolm Muggeridge. I, I, had, I was assigned that when I was in college. I had to read that book, How to Read a Book. Wait, how to read a book? I mean, we need to be taught how to read a book? Yeah. We need to be taught how to listen to a sermon? Yeah. It's all over the, the Bible. Psalm 119, just here's one example of a zillion verses I could give you to remind us or maybe to inform us for the first time. Uh, we can't really just listen to a sermon on our own without some guidelines and without some education. Psalm 119, it's right in the middle of your Bible if you're trying to find it. Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible, I believe, written in Hebrew originally. This was not written by King David. It was written centuries after King David, probably in the time of Daniel. It's a masterpiece, literally speaking. The whole chapter of Psalm 119 and all 176 verses are about the Word of God, about Scripture, about God's truth. So just about every single one of the verses says something about God's Word. Scripture, as it's being taught and preached, and how the listener interacts with the Word of God. So this is kind of the theme verses of this point, that we need to be taught how to listen to the Word of God. And so I'll just read verses 33 and 34. There's so much here that we could read. So here's, he's a believer. He wrote this psalm. He knows the Old Testament that is written up to this point, which is, most of it, probably. He's educated in the word of God, clearly. And yet he knows he can't be independent. He needs God's help to listen to the teaching of the word of God and the meditating upon it. And so that's his plea. Verse 33 says, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. God, teach me your word. Teach me the Bible. Teach me your truth. Now, he's exposing himself to the truth. He hears it through preachers. But that's not good enough. He knows he needs to personalize it. He needs to talk to the author of it. And that is God Almighty himself, Yahweh. And he's pleading and he's praying with God. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes. Teach me that I'll understand it. And he, he goes on to say, teach me your word that I shall observe it for what it's given for. Look at verse 34. This is amazing. Give me understanding. Help me understand your word. So he knew that God's word is a supernatural book, divinely given. It's not just a, a human book, a natural book. 
He needed the help of Almighty God. And so he prays accordingly, God, teach me your word. God, give me understanding to understand your word. So this is just one example of many reminding us we need to be taught to learn how to listen to God's word when it is preached and taught. Why? And, and that's the question. Why, why do we need to be taught? Why do we need God's help? Why do we need his intervention? Why do we need to be prayerful? Why do we need to be cognizant of that, that we can't do it on our own? There's a lot of reasons. Here's just a couple real quick. Uh, Jesus said to some Bible students that he's preaching to after his resurrection, they're, they're Jewish. They knew the scriptures. They were exposed to the scriptures. At least they should have known the scriptures. They've heard all kinds of sermons. They probably grew up in the synagogue. And nevertheless, he says to them to their face, you are, why are you slow of heart to believe? All that's been written in the scriptures. So Jesus acknowledged that us finite sinners, even though we hear scripture, we hear sermons. The truth is, if we're honest, in the words of Jesus himself, his diagnosis is we can be slow of heart to believe. Why do we need to be taught to how to listen to a sermon? Because we have to be taught how to believe it. Really? I probably face this most in my series on Genesis, especially Genesis one through one and two and one through three, because uh, out in the evangelical world abroad across the world, it's not uh, first nature or couth to listen to it the way it's taught at face value and just believe it. That's not standard. It's, oh, well, we can't take that at face value. You can't, mm, can't really believe that the way we believe John chapter 1 or John chapter 2. And Jesus says, no, this is what Scripture says. And humans, you have a problem with believing what it says. And that's what Jesus said. This is a rebuke. A rebuke that actually set them free so they could understand it. So it was really a blessing. Why else do we need to be taught how to understand or listen to a sermon? Because Paul says in 1 Corinthians one twenty three, he says that the world mocks preaching. The world makes fun of, undermines, scorns, criticizes biblical teaching and preaching. And the world, you know what? They dominate. We're the minority. And so what we're going to hear out there influencing the world everywhere we go is a negative view of preaching and teaching just straight from the Bible. And so many times Christians are influenced by what's going on in the world and the opinion of the world and appeasing the world and not wanting to be embarrassed by the world. And so we compromise, and that affects the way we listen to a sermon. So we have to remember that. We don't allow ourselves to be influenced by the world and their view of preaching. Jeremiah 17.9, why else do we need to be taught how to listen to a sermon? Because Jeremiah, God said through Jeremiah the prophet that the human heart naturally is just wicked to the core. That's what it says. Desperately wicked. That's emphatic in the Hebrew. Desperately wicked. And Jeremiah is talking to professing believers. So don't trust yourself. Don't trust your own heart. I ask God, remind God to remind me to not trust myself or my heart. We all have a weak, uh, a blind spot and really sin and wickedness in our heart that inhibits belief and understanding of God's word. So we've got to remember that. Hebrews 3 makes it clear throughout that whole book, he keeps reminding the readers, these are professing believers, don't harden your heart. When you hear God's word, don't harden your heart. When you hear God's word, don't harden your heart. Don't stiffen your neck. Don't delay. Don't put it off. This, these are professing believers. So why do we need to be taught to listen to the word of God properly? Because we are vulnerable to having a hardened heart, a cold heart, an unreceptive heart when we hear teaching and preaching. And a lot of times, for us, practically speaking, what does that look like? Well, it's usually attached to a person who's teaching the Bible, sadly. A lot of Christians, they could listen to one person 
preach a sermon, same content, same passage, same truths. Oh, that was wonderful. Hear another person, preacher, who's different, same thing, same passage, same truths. Oh, I don't like that. And they harden their heart. Why? For a superficial reason, because of the one presenting it. We are susceptible to that as well, and that's a danger. So we need to be taught how to listen to a sermon. This shouldn't be surprising for us. I mean, what's the most important thing in the world? And I would say God, our relationship with him, his word, and us listening to his word, learning from his word, living by his word, proclaiming his word. That's really the priority for Christians in this world. So we are involved in the most important process that God has given humanity. And yet, if you think about it, pick any other profession in life and all these other specialists, they have to do, they have to learn how to listen in their specialized field. They have to learn to be listeners. It doesn't come naturally. They need training. For example, let me give you some. Um, parents teach their children how to listen. Our, our little children, they don't listen naturally. I remember some of the things that we taught our young children to listen, and we didn't come up with it on our own. We had others who were disciples of ours and experience telling us how we could teach our children to listen. Very simple things like, hey, can you look at daddy when we are talking? Give me eye contact. When you understand something that daddy says, you say, yes, daddy, you affirm it. These are, these are teaching them how to listen. Here, you are not distracted by other things. Put your little toy down and up to the side when daddy and mommy are talking to you while you're giving me eye contact and focus. You don't talk while daddy's talking, your mommy's talking. You wait till we're done talking, and then you'll get a chance to talk. Uh, if you have a question about anything mommy and daddy said that you don't understand or we seem to be missing information, then you are allowed to appeal. See, these are all ways we're teaching our children how to listen. It's just natural, and we need to do the same. We need to be taught how to listen to a sermon. Um, teachers have to teach their students how to listen. They lay out the ground rules. These are the parameters. These are the guidelines. These will help you be a better, better listener in this class. Musicians have to... They have to learn specialized listening to that key and that note and that this. And so they tune in and they are taught to have specialized listening in their field, which is all foreign to me because I'm not a musician. Family physicians and medical doctors, they have to be taught how to listen in their field very attentively. They got that thing around their neck, that stethoscope thing, and they can put that on your back and tell you to breathe. And they're actually listening for things that tell them something. And I... I put the stethoscope on the back and all I hear is heavy breathing. <gasps> and I was like, what? I, I don't get it. And yet they, they have been trained as professionals in terms of their listening to pick up the slightest nuance that, are, that could be huge indicators. Oh, you know what? You have a cold or, or whatever it is, congestion and everything else. That's specialized listening that they have been taught. In other words, it doesn't come naturally. Hunters, when they're out in the field, they, they're specialized in their listening. They have to listen. They have to be quiet which way the wind is blowing, crackling of the branches, the sound of the birds as they're flying through the sky, and on and on it goes. So I can just go on. Blind people have to learn how to listen in a very specialized way to survive and make their way around, and they have very acute listening. So these are just examples to validate that we need to be taught how to listen to God's Word. So let's go on to point number two now. Um, we learn about God by listening to His Word. We learn about God by listening to his word. So Romans 10, 14, I'll just read that one. The Apostle Paul in that chapter, he's talking about how you, you only get saved through the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news about him. 
The primary means of God getting that gospel out so that people can be saved is through the preaching of the word. That's that's what God has chosen. God has chosen to get his word out today through preaching. God could have chosen a lot of different things to get his truth out, to disseminate it. But throughout history, God made a decision. You know what? I'm going to communicate my truth through preachers. That's how I'm going to do it. And the world thinks that's stupid. That's ancient. That's archaic. It's inefficient, especially with today's communication and technology. We don't need to be resorting to this old school thing of preaching. And God said, yeah, we do, because that's his means of doing it. And that's one of Paul's points in Acts chapter 10. This is how God gets his truth out so that you might be saved in the form of the gospel. Verse 14, how then... Well, verse 13 says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So you can't become a Christian unless you hear the truth about Jesus Christ. That's verse 13. Unless you hear about Jesus Christ. Verse 14. Well, how then will they call on him, Jesus, in whom they have not believed? You got to know about Jesus so you can believe in him. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him? whom they have not heard. they got to hear about Jesus before they believe in Jesus. And how will they hear without a preacher? There it is. The preacher preaches, the people hear, and they hear attentively. That's God's means that he has established, preaching his word. I already said that 1 Corinthians one twenty one, where Paul said, God has established preaching as a means of communicating his truth, and the world thinks it's silly and foolish. So we learn about God by listening to his word, being exposed, exposed to the truth of the Bible. A corollary truth to that is, do you know that you, you can't learn anything true about God apart from the Bible? You, you can't tell me anything that's true about Jesus that's not in the Bible. That, that would be a challenge. And that's true because this, this is the sufficiency of Scripture. Some people think they can come up with the truth about God. But if a Christian says, oh, yeah, I can think of truth about God, but it's not in the Bible. Okay, tell me what it is. And say they say something. The only way I can validate whether it's true or not is what? By the Bible. Whether it's Jesus or God. So this is how God has chosen to communicate to us. It's through his word and the truth of his word and through this means or mechanism called preaching. That's why listening is so important. Why? Uh, let's go on to number three. Why we should listen to sermons. So this goes with... This is coupled with number four. So number three is why we should listen to sermons. What is our goal as you sit down and listen to a sermon? Why we should listen to sermons or how we should listen to sermons. And then number four is going to be the wrong way to listen to sermons. Because there is a wrong way to listen to a sermon. So these kind of go together. And they'll, they'll contrast one another and put all these truths in relief as they're compared side by side. So first we'll go with number three. Uh, why we should listen to sermons. There, I came up with about 10 reasons. I can't give them all. I'll start with Romans 12, 1 through 2. We should listen to sermons because the Bible is God's word. And it's the only way we can get to know about God. And it is through preaching is his main means of communicating that truth, leading up to this truth in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Why should we listen to sermons as a Christian? We should listen to sermons because we want to be changed in our thinking. We want our thinking changed. That's the main thing that's being addressed in a sermon is your mind and your thought life. If a preacher gets up and preaches a sermon and he hasn't made you think, 
he hasn't done his job. So listen to what Paul says in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, Christians, I urge you from the apostle, uh, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Be holy. Live godly. Okay, that's hard to do, but okay, God, I want to do that. Present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So living holy before God is actually an act of worship. It pleases God. Okay, well, God... How do I live a holy life in a way that pleases you? Well, good question. Before you can live godly, you have to think godly. That's verse 2 right here. And this is a command. This is not an option for Christians. Do not be conformed to this world. Literally, in the Greek text, it talks about pictures. Do not be squeezed into the mold of this world, of the secular, unbelieving, God-hating world. Don't be forced or squeezed into their mold. It's easy to do. And he's primarily talking about the way you think. The emphasis in this is on your thought life. Do not be squeezed in the mold of this world, this fallen world, but rather be transformed. Don't be conformed, but be transformed, metamorphosized, changed from the inside out. That's what it means. Put yourself in a position to be transformed. How? How do we get spiritually transformed? By the renewing of your mind. There it is. Put yourself in positions where you're continually transformed by the renewing of your mind on how you think. How do you do that? You put yourself in positions to be taking in the word of God, hearing the word of God, reading the word of God, studying the word of God, hearing it preached and taught sermons, Sunday school lessons on the radio. You are immersing yourself in the word of God. It is being preached and taught. And that's how that is the key to renewing your mind, changing your thinking, which will affect how you live. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's a command for every Christian. If you do that so that you may prove what the will of God is, you'll be walking in God's will. You'll be walking in obedience because you know what he said in his Bible. What does God think of that? Well, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. God is God is pleased with that. So. Why should we listen to sermons? Because we need to have our thinking transformed in accordance with God's word. Because we are subject to the lies of the world that we are continually, daily, inundated with, bombarded with everywhere we go. We could easily be brainwashed if we're not continually washing our thought life in the pure water of the word of God. And have wrong thinking is so easy. We're so susceptible to that. So why should we listen to sermons to have our thinking transformed in accordance with God's word? Why else? Well, Paul says in Colossians 1:28 that he preaches to every man, to every woman, to every child with the goal of making them complete in Christ. Why should we be listening to sermons? Because we want to take in the word of God because our goal is to become a holistic, complete, well-balanced Christian, not myopic, what not one dimensional but complete. That's what Paul said. That's Colossians 1.28. The only way to do that is a regular intake of the pure word of God as it's preached and taught biblically. Here's one I want to actually look at the verse first because it's so key on several of these points. This is First Peter. Uh, why should we listen to sermons? This is as clear as could be. First Peter, Hebrews, James. And here's what Peter the Apostle said. First Peter chapter two, verses one and two. He's talking to believers again, to Christians. So this is for us. Uh, Therefore, putting aside all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Oh, okay. These are Christians. Wait, let me read that again. Christians putting aside all malice and deceit and hypocrisy. envy. You mean Christians do that? Yeah, Peter knew that. 
Put it aside. Prepare your prepare yourself to read to receive the word of God. And like newborn babes, even if you've been a Christian a long time, newborn babe, what does a newborn babe want? One thing. Gimme, 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 milk, milk, milk. Like newborn babes, long for, this is a command, long for the pure milk of the word of God. Long for it. So that, well, if we take in the word of God continually through the preaching and the teaching and as we listen to the word of God, what does it do? Well, God wants to do this so that by it you may grow. There it is. Why do we listen to the word of God? So we can grow. So we can grow spiritually. Oh, I feel dry. Well, are you taking in the word of God? Well, not really. Not recently. Well, I lack joy. Well, I've been taking in the word of God. Well, not as much as I should be. Well, you know what? I haven't been growing a whole lot in the last couple of Well, have you been taking in the word of God? Well, not really. I'm lacking spiritual calcium. I'm not taking in the word of God on a regular basis. That's that's how God has determined that we will grow. It's by the intake of the word of God through scripture, through the Bible. And if you go days and days and days or weeks and weeks and weeks without the word of God, you are going to dry and shrivel up, spiritually speaking. This is where we get our nourishment from, like newborn babes long for the pure milk of the word of God so that by the intake of the word of God, you may grow in respect to salvation. So this is key to sanctification growing in the faith. So why should we listen to sermons? So that our mind could be transformed in accordance with God's will, so that we might be complete Christians, so that we will grow in terms of sanctification. And finally, uh, Ephesians 4 says, take in the word of God, be taught the word of God, sit under the good teaching of Bibles and teachers and preachers so that you as a Christian might be, get this, equipped for ministry. Equipped for ministry. So every, every person who is a Christian has spiritual gifts, they should be utilizing those gifts in their local church and they should be doing ministry. So it would be legitimate for another Christian to ask you, what is your ministry? Where are you serving in the church? Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. And that's one of the main things that preachers are supposed to be doing in their local congregations is preaching the word of God, teaching the word of God to train the saints to be equipped to do ministry. Very clearly stated in that passage, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Now let's go with the negative side by way of compliment. That's number four. In contrast to why we should listen to sermons, here's the wrong way or wrong reasons to listen to sermons. Again, I, I have several examples, can't get to them all. I'll give you the main ones. Here's one Paul gave. Go to 2 Timothy. This is really common in our day. Here, Paul wrote this 2,000 years ago, and this, is, this happens all the time in where we are today in the Christian world. 2 Timothy chapter 4. There are people all over the world listening to sermons, but that's not necessarily a good thing, believe it or not, because a lot of those sermons are bad sermons. Think about it. I didn't say that or make it up. It's right here in the Bible. Paul gave us a warning through the Spirit of God. Second uh, Timothy 4, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom. So he's telling Timothy, Timothy, Timothy was the preacher here in Ephesus. Okay, you need to be a faithful pastor and a faithful elder and a faithful leader in your church, Timothy. Because there are plenty of guys who aren't. Be faithful. Do your job. Well, what's my main job as a pastor, elder, leader, bishop, presbyter in the church? Well, he says right here, verse 2, preach the word. Preach the word. That's the job. Preach the Bible. The Bible. Just That's test number one. Okay, I went to church today. I heard a sermon. Question. Did the guy open up the Bible, read from the Bible, and teach from the Bible? 
I don't care what else he did. Did a tap dance or sang a song. Doesn't matter. Did he open the Bible and teach the Bible? Because right here, I charge you, Timothy, preach the word. Then he goes on and elaborates on that. Be ready in season, out of season. Doesn't matter. It's your job. Don't make excuses. Always be ready. Always be prepared. It's what God's called you to do. And the, the, as you preach through the word of God, it's going to have a, an effect on in different ways on different people because of the diverse nature of Scripture. And as you preach, you will reprove, you will rebuke, you will re- exhort with great patience and instruction. So there's reproving and rebuking and encouraging and teaching. That's the very nature of the word of God as you teach it. So be faithful to it. And then he warns Timothy, you know what, Timothy, verse three, for the time will come when they will not endure sound. Who's they believers, professing believers. A time is going to come when they fellow believers, Christians will not endure sound doctrine. They're not going to put up with biblical preaching. They don't want it. They hear biblical preaching. Oh, I don't like that. Oh, that's too harsh. Oh, that's boring. Oh, that's not relevant. Oh, that's not entertaining. Oh, that hurt my feelings. Oh, I don't agree. For the time will come when professing Christians will not endure sound doctrine. Well, what do they what do they want then? Well, rather, but wanting to have their ears tickled. You know what that is? It's when you take the Q-tip and you rub your ear. Oh, that feels good. Ah, Yeah, do it again. Oh, say that again. Oh, that makes me happy. Yes. Love, love, love. But wanting to have their ears tickled also means entertained. They will accumulate for themselves teachers. See, they're going to desire. They're going to go after teacher. We want to hire this guy. Why? Because uh, he makes me feel good. He makes our congregation laugh. He's entertaining. He's engaging. Oh, and whenever I bring unbelievers, oh, they, they love him. They, they aren't offended. He's talking about here. They will accumulate. So they will be purposeful in avoiding sound biblical preaching. They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance. Get this to their own desires. I want somebody who's going to get up there and say what I want to hear. I want somebody up there who's going to agree with me. Look at the agenda is just totally flipped. We want to hear from God when we hear someone preach, right? We want to hear God's voice. That's his. If I could just make it as simple as that to answer the question, how do you listen to a sermon? Well, the way you listen to a sermon is you go to a sermon expecting to hear from God. And that's from the word of God, not diluted or convoluted by the wisdom and compromise of man. In accordance with sinful desires, it's their desires, their lusts. Well, what are they going to do? Verse four. And but by the way, some people get offended at this passage as I'm reading it. Oh, this. Oh, this is harsh, Pastor Clever. I didn't write it. I'm just preaching it. It's what it says. Be warned. Take heed. Verse four. That's why they killed all the prophets of old, by the way. Jesus said, you killed all the prophets. Why? What was the nature of a prophet? Come with the truth of the word of God. And many times it was warning. Is warning God's people. Listen, take heed. Be warned. This is a hard truth. Embrace it. Believe God. Submit to him. Honor him. I don't want any of that. That's this is a prophetic passage. If you're a Christian, you love Christ, you love his word, we should embrace this. Verse 4, they will turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside to mythology. That's the Greek word there, mythology. Myths. 
mythology. Let, let me give you some mythology. Here's mythology. In the beginning, there was absolutely nothing that existed, and all of a sudden, nothing blew up and became everything. That's mythology. But rather, Timothy, faithful preacher, be sober-minded, be level-headed. Don't get tossed to and fro by the influences of the world and the emotion and the prominent headlines of the day or people pressuring you to compromise or people mocking you or treating you wrongly or inappropriately or criticizing you right there. But you, be sober and all things, be level-headed, endure hardship. Timothy, what I'm asking you to do is hard In light of human nature, this is going to be difficult. You're not going to be Mr. Popularity. You're going to be in the minority, not the majority. Endure hardship. Do the work of evangelists. Fulfill your ministry. So if a preacher isn't preaching the word of God in an uncompromised manner, then he's not fulfilling his ministry. He's compromising the ministry. So going back to, well, what's the wrong way to listen to a sermon? To listen to a sermon for the sake of wanting to get your ears tickled and to be entertained and to find and be attracted to and submit and submit to the teaching of a preacher who's going to fulfill your desires and say what you want to hear. And that kind of teaching just goes on all over the world. It's been going on for 2000 years. It goes on today. It will always be with us until really Jesus returns. So we have to guard against that entertainment, getting your ears tickled. Here's another one that's common in our day. A wrong way to go to a sermon and listen to a sermon is just to check off the box of your compulsory religious deed of the week, right? Oh, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'm a member of a Baptist church or a Presbyterian church, and I go to church at least uh, three times a month, and I, yeah, I heard the sermon this week. That's too common as well, just to check off the religious box. Oh, I did my deed. That's not why we listen to the Word of God. Uh, Here's another common one, especially in our circles. We shouldn't be uh, the wrong way to listen to sermon or the wrong reason to be listening to the sermons is to amass knowledge and data. Stack it up. Oh, I listened to all 16 sermons of the Shepherds Conference on one Saturday. Okay, whoop-de-doo. What about it? So we are prone to that. This is a danger in seminaries, academic arenas and those kind of things. And Paul warned us in 1 Corinthians 8, 1, that knowledge puffs up. And he was even talking about religious biblical knowledge. Got to guard against that. Pride. The more biblical data we amass, we become susceptible to pride, head knowledge instead of heart knowledge. We need both. They got to go together. So we don't listen to sermons to amass data and knowledge. Here's another one from James. We don't listen to sermons for the sole purpose to critique or criticize the preacher. James chapter 4, verse 11. James chapter 5, verse 9. Why do you criticize your brother? Why are you criticizing? Don't do that. Jesus is the judge. I'm talking about not being discerning of a sermon, but nitpicking and criticizing, which every preacher is subject to do and has been since the time of Noah, the preacher, and even before then. That will always be the case because people are critical. Okay, that's the foundation. Let's go on to number five and let's look at these practical ways that hopefully we can all be better listeners of sermons. I I talked about last week how me and uh, several men are going to go to the Shepherds Conference and we're going to hear theoretically 15 one-hour and 10-minute sermons over the course of four days, which is a lot to take in. And when you're hearing so much of that 
teaching for such a long period of time, you can fall prey to some of these weaknesses of being overly critical or just being hard-hearted and cold and not an attentive listener. So I want to embrace these truths as well. So let's go ahead and look at these points here. Point number one or letter A, priorities to listening to a sermon. Letter A, desire the word. You've got to desire the word. Versus actually, 1 Peter 2, 1 and 2, I just read it. I won't read it again. Long for the pure milk of the word. The one who hungers and thirsts after righteousness, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, is the blessed one who hungers and thirsts for righteousness. That's a heart issue. Long for the pure milk of the word. Welcome. It starts in the heart. So you have to desire the word. And maybe you're cold towards the word. Ah, oh, you know what? The Bible's kind of boring lately. Oh, I can't read my Bible. It just doesn't keep my attention. Oh, I'm just... Sermons seem cold to me. That's not the problem of the preacher. That's your heart. It's my heart. We've got to desire the word of God. And if we don't, you just pray a simple prayer. If you're a Christian, you ask God to help you. God, I am cold. God, soften my heart. Help me to hunger and thirst after your righteousness, the truth of your word. Uh, like the doe that is panting for thirst, may my heart desire and my soul long for the word of God. But I need your help. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. So we've got to desire the word. Number two. Prepare for the word. We've got to desire the word. And then we've got to prepare for the word. So I'm just real specifically. You have to prepare your heart for the sermon on Sunday. We'll just start there. Because your average Christian, at a minimum, they're going to be committed to the Lord's Day worship service on a Sunday and the sermon. That's standard. So in light of that, we need to prepare for the word. Look at James. James is very specific about preparing for the word. Uh, James chapter 1, 19 through 26. I'll read through it real quick. 19 through 26 goes together. You can't pull verses out of there and isolate those out of the context. Like this one we do all the time. Uh, everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And you, you, know, you scold your little seven-year-old with that verse. Well, no, that's not what it's talking about. There's a context here. Verses 19 to 26 is talking about, as a Christian, what is your attitude towards the word of God when you hear it taught? How do you respond to it? How do you receive it? Or do you? This is this, you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger regarding the word of God when you hear it taught and preached. You mean Christians get angry when they hear the preaching of the word of God? Yeah. Seen it firsthand. I've been cornered in the lobby before after a sermon. Quick to hear, slow to speak. Okay, uh, verse 20, for the anger of man or humans does not achieve the righteousness of God. Well, then what should we do? Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility, receive the word. There it is. In humility, receive the word. So when you're about to receive the word, hear the word. You have to prepare yourself. That's the point here. Prepare for the word. And you have to humble yourself. You don't say, God, make me humble. You humble yourself. It's a command that we do. So you do self-evaluation. Part of this humility is, you know what? I need to be teachable. God, help me to be teachable. God, help me to not be critical. God, help me to not be a complainer. God, help me look past the idiosyncrasies and the shortcomings and the personality quirks of my pastor and preacher. That's what this means. 
therefore, putting aside uh, all filthiness, all that remains of wickedness, in humility, receive the word implanted. Also part of preparing yourself, verse 21. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness, all that remains of wickedness, in humility, receive the word. That You've got to examine your life and get right with God before going to listen to a sermon. If you're involved in sin throughout the week or sin on Saturday night or sin on Saturday, and you, whether you're looking at, you know, horrible, filthy movies on Saturday that are contrary to the word of God late at night, and then you're going to go listen to the word of God. Taking in the word of God, you're going to be undermining the process. So we have to prepare ourselves. So there's a practical preparation that needs to go on as well. Put it aside. Put aside the filthiness. Put aside the wickedness. Put aside uh, the sin that goes on in your life. Prepare yourself for Saturday for the intake of the word of God. Humble yourself. Humble yourself and forgive your family members that you've been arguing with for the last six days before you go to church and get right with God so you can receive the word of God. Humble yourself in light of the conflict you had with your children or your in-laws or colleagues at work to get right with God before you go in and receive the word of God. With humility, receive the word of God. With humility. It's able to save your souls. Prepare yourself. It's all preparation. So practically speaking, we should be preparing ourselves for the Lord's Day and the intake of the Word of God uh, yearly, monthly, weekly, daily, hourly. It would look like oh, you're looking at your family calendar. Okay, can we go here, 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 and this? And can I do this and schedule this? Oh, wait a minute. That's Sunday. That's the Lord's Day. That's the morning. Uh, I am going to church. I'm going to go hear the Word of God. I don't care if the 49ers are playing. I don't care. Whatever. Where are your priorities? You're preparing your heart to receive the Word of God. And then it's week to week as well. Okay, Saturday's coming up. Man, I've got to get right with God. Uh, my attitude isn't right. I've got the wrong thoughts. I've got anger in my soul. I've got to deal with it. God, I, need, I want to get right with you so I can be a pure receptacle on Sunday morning as the word of God is open and you want to speak and I want to hear you. Preparation. Saturday night, just doing whatever you can to, to clear the air and help prepare you for a good night's sleep and going to bed at the right time so that you wake up rested and attentive to the word of God and not going to bed with any unforgiveness towards anybody around you this is all about preparing your heart and then in the morning you're getting ready for church get up earlier so you can be prepared for church and the word of god in a right frame of mind and not all full of anxiety and you pull out in the parking lot and your whole family's shaking like this and everybody's got a red face and they're all perspiring what went on in your car on the way well we had a family blowout well you are not ready for church to receive the word of god and maybe it's just getting up 30 minutes earlier being prepared, preparing yourself, talking to God in the morning, listen to Christian music on the way on the drive in the morning, in your heart, meditating with the Lord, preparing your heart. Uh, I remember it was 25 years ago, part of being a pastor, a, an older pastor told me about Sunday mornings. McManus, you're going to need to prepare yourself before you preach if you're going to be a pastor. This is what it means. Hibernating or what, doing whatever you need to do Saturday night. Start getting in the right frame of mind, meditating on Scripture, what you're going to preach on. Uh, your your personal life your morality everything with it and then you get a good night's sleep and then you get up early and then you got to be thinking about the day thinking about the saints praying through how you're going to interact with the people as a shepherd that day that god would bless your teaching and the study that you've already put in and preparing your heart not getting into crises sunday morning before church and if it means hiding yourself somewhere see that's what that door is for right there I learned that from several other pastors warning me. You've got to be prepared. It's all about your heart. Then when you sit down, the word of God's about to be opened. What do you do? 
check out or are you prepared? You got your notes or however you listen best. And you're attentive to the word of God. It's being preached. This is incredibly important. Preparing for the word. So desire the word. Prepare for the word. Number three. Welcome the word. Acts 17, 11. And we will get through these. We'll just highlight these real quick. This is probably one of the main verses I wanted to share with you anyway. Uh, Acts 17, 11. So this was the Apostle Paul going out church planting. He had the same routine. He'd go to city to city, preach, go to a synagogue, preach. So he preached in Thessalonica in the synagogue. Some believed the rest turned into a mob, chased him out of town, tried to kill him. For the most part, they didn't receive the word that he was preaching. He goes to the next city. It's called Berea. Acts 17, verse 10. So this will be our main verse of the day, our main truth. Uh, The brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away from Thessalonica to the next town called Berea, Acts 17, 10. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews who professed to be believers of Yahweh. And this crowd was more noble-minded than the Thessalonians he just left town from. These people were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica. Why? For they received the word. They wel- Dexomite. They welcomed the word warmly. They were enthusiastic about hearing the Bible, the word of God, Scripture. Oh, Paul, you're a traveling rabbi. That is awesome. Oh, you're going to open up to the Isaiah scroll? Really? Oh, excellent. Please be our teacher. We're looking forward to this. So that's, that was the reception. And the word used very specific. They received the word. They welcomed the word. That's my point. Welcome the word. Welcome the sermon. Welcome the preaching. Welcome the Bible. Welcome scripture. Don't resist. Don't put your hand up and resist. So they received the word of God and they did it enthusiastically with great eagerness, it says. That's part one. Welcome the word. Receive it. And then they didn't believe everything necessarily just because it was the Apostle Paul. It says they examined the scriptures that they had available daily, regularly to see whether the things that Paul was preaching were true. So they listened with a discerning ear, not a critical ear, not a judgmental ear. But a discerning ear. Oh, this this sounded wonderful. It sounded in accord with God's word that's been revealed. But there's some new things there from this. This Paul man, are these true? Oh, these are consistent with scripture. So they were discerning. And notice when it says that they were examining the scripture being discerning. What were they criticizing? What were they critiquing? They weren't critiquing Paul's methodology, what he looked like, what he sounded like, the tone of his voice, the, the speed of his words. Whether it was boring or not, his personality, his idiosyncrasies, his method, any of that was not being examined. It was first and foremost, the content of what he taught. And that's what we need to do. So when we listen to a preacher, we want to be discerning first and foremost is what did he say? And we line that up with scripture. Well, I didn't like his suit. I didn't like his voice. He's too nasally. He talks too fast. He talks too slow. He's boring. He's monotone. His sermon was too long. These are common criticisms. He never smiles. How do you know that if you're listening to it on the radio? But anyway. So we need to be like the Bereans and put the priority in the right place, listening to the content of the word of God. We welcome the word. We listen discerningly and God will bless us as a result. Uh, So the next one, D, pray about the word. Psalm 119, 12b, 18 and 27. All those verses, all those verses just say, 
is the psalmist is talking to God and praying, and he's saying things like this. Oh, Lord, you are great. Teach me your staff. Teach me. Oh, Lord, open my eyes that I might understand your word. God, remove the false ways from me so that I might embrace your law. What is he doing? He is praying as he's listening to the word of God, asking God to teach him. And that's what we need to do. So as you're sitting there listening, we need to get in the habit of praying in your own heart to God. Oh, Holy Spirit, thank you for being my teacher and and be my teacher. Open my mind. God, keep me from falling asleep. And I know I worked the, the late shift last night. You need God's help. We all need God's help. Pray about the word. Uh, e, obey the word. James goes on in that passage we read to say in James 1, be a doer of the word. First, receive the word of God with humility and be a doer of the word. Do it. That's the goal. Not criticize it, critique it, blow it off. Do it. There's got to be something there of biblical truth that was communicated that you can assimilate into your life, obey it, submit to it. Uh, Psalm 119, the psalmist, again, is asking God for God, teach me your word so that I might obey your word or observe your word. God, I need your help to do it. Psalm 119, verse 10 and 34. James says, be a doer of the word. So that's my challenge to you. You heard a sermon today, whether you liked it or not, whether I talked too fast or not, whether you liked my suit or not, whether it's too hot in here or not. Question is, did was the word of God preached at all? Did I understand it? And then if so, what am I going to do about it? Obey the word of God. If you do obey the word of God, then F is a good one. It's enjoy the word. Enjoy the word. Be blessed by the word. And I'll close with this. That's Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. And many, many, many other verses. I I could have read almost all of Psalm 19, Psalm 198, where it says over and over again, those who listen to the word of God, obey it and do it, were blessed by God. If you listen to the word of God, do the word of God, obey it. God will give you joy. He will refresh you. And many other blessings that go with that. So the last book in the Bible says this in Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed, blessed, happy is, say some translate, happy, joy. Blessed is the one who reads scripture. The one who reads and those who hear, which is what we're talking about, the words of the prophecy of Scripture, you will be blessed. Not only you don't just have to read it and be exposed to it and hear and listen attentively, but he goes on. But blessed is the one also who heeds the things which are written in it. Obey it. You've got to obey it. So expose yourself to it. Listen carefully. Try to understand. Be discerning. Believe it. Embrace it. Bring it into your life. Submit to it. Obey it. Do it. The end result will God will bless you. Do you want to be blessed by God today? I do. Then let's submit to the word of God. Heed the things which are written in it for the time is near. With that, let's go ahead and pray to our father and ask him to help us in our understanding of the word of God and how we can apply it in our life for his glory and for his good. Father, we do thank you for this day and just a wonderful day of worship to be with your people. The privilege to sing to you which is a form of worship that you have ordained. Thank you for our gifted and faithful saints and music that help us with that great privilege. God, also thank you for the opportunity to serve, as you've called Christians to serve one another so we can edify one another and build each other up. Thank you for the encouragement that comes with interaction with the saints. And God, I know this morning some people were encouraged by their interactions with fellow believers. And thank you for the greatest privilege of all, and that's that's worshiping you 
also hearing your voice through Scripture. God, we know that as sinners we can be hard-hearted, critical, slow in belief, but we need your help. And we thank you for the indwelling Holy Spirit who makes it possible for us to take in your Word of God, apply it to our life. And we give you all the glory we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening. Dr. McManus is an author, seminary professor, and pastor-teacher of Grace Bible Fellowship. For more information about Grace Bible Fellowship, please visit our website at gbfsv.org or call us at 650-630-0009.